You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. Evan Karp is the creator of Lit Scene and Quiet Lightning. Thank you for joining me, Evan. Thanks for having me, Rick. Evan, tell us what brought you in to create Lit Scene and exactly what it is. Well, what it is, I'm not sure I could answer quite yet. Um, but uh, it evolved kind of naturally out of um, this citizen journalism that I was doing um, uh, through examiner.com. Mm-hmm. I was kind of going to a bunch of reading series and really any literary event that I could find and um, filming them and blogging about them through examiner.com. Um, and they, it's a really good model, especially for them, because the writers do all of the back end and the publishing and, mm-hmm. and the only compensation is a penny per page view. <laughs> and so I, I clearly wasn't doing it for the money, you know, um, but I developed, a, you know, kind of a following and had brought a bunch of different small groups together. Mm-hmm. And it just, it seemed they were doing a redesign of their site. And it, it just seemed like it was time to kind of start my own site, mm-hmm. you know. And so I, I didn't really forfeit that, that much money <laughs> per month to do it. And um, it's still very nascent. Um, well, t- tell us exactly what is on the site and how, give us an idea of what one of your days is like. Because I understand you have something like... 1,500, am I correct, videos up there now? Well, um, not not on Lit Scene per se. I've loaded, I don't know exactly how many are on there, you know, um, but I've filmed with a little help from Charles Kruger mm-hmm. a little over 2,000 videos in the last wow. year, 14, 15 months or something. Yeah, and they're all just of authors reading, you know. So um, a lot of them are on Lit Scene, not, not quite all. I mean, they're links to the YouTube and Vimeo channels, you know, on Lit Scene, but most of the things that are on there, I, I would say we do, you know, kind of event reviews mm-hmm. wherein we, we do go and film each of the readers and either analyze one of the readings or, you know, several or all of them or kind of just give like a, we try to replicate the experience of what the show was like, you know. Mm-hmm. So if somebody didn't make it, you know, they'd have a chance to experience it just from their home or from wherever. And um yeah, that's that's. You that's, were there, right? Sure, I was there. Charles is there. We actually have several other contributors now who are just starting out, and they're getting cameras and going out, and we're training these kind of. I'd like to think of them as media pigeons. That's a great idea. You know, this approach is so interesting to me because it strikes me that you're taking an almost scientific or mathematical approach to art. It's like just collecting huge amounts of data and not really with too much regard as to the content of the data. You're analyzing it, of course. But I think just the overall gestalt of this is a really, it's like a science experiment, isn't it? It started out, you know, I, when I started examiner.com, it was at the beginning of LitQuake, which is the annual literary festival in San Francisco. And I didn't really know what I was getting into, you know, when I started. And I just kind of took the video camera on a whim but, uh, you know, within four or five days, a thousand people a day were reading, you know, were at least exposed to the, the writing and the videos. And so, you know, I kind of decided that it would be a really neat thing to, to archive a full year of readings in San Francisco and the Bay Area, just because there's so much going on. And I had just moved here. And so I was kind of overwhelmed by it. And um, 
you know, after I couldn't really stop after a year, I kind of got addicted to it. And, um, you know, many times I've said, okay, that's it. I'm done. I'm stopping. But, you know, the next night I'm out with my camera. Well, talk about how the cumulative effect of all this exposure to um, high-end art has on your mind. I mean, it must <laughs> affect your perceptions. Do you, do you, it's, it seems like you have so much poetic input, and it's largely, is it largely poetry you film? I do film a lot of poetry, but, you know, there's, there's everything from short story to, you know, personal statement and creative nonfiction, you know, pretty much anything that, that people are doing. A lot of the events are varied now. Mm-hmm. I've, there's, been, there's been kind of a, a huge burgeoning of reading series and of just the literary scene in general in the last you know, since I've been doing this. And, you know, because of that, each event kind of takes on its own specific kind of um, niche in Mm -hmm. a way. And so, you know, some of them are poetry heavy. Some of them are, um, you know, even cathartic and community-based. And so I see a a wide range of of genres. Now, I'm wondering... Uh, again, how this affects your perception of, oh, yes. of, of the world. I, mean, I didn't. I didn't mean to lead that one. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I don't. I don't know. Sometimes, I, hopefully, I'll find out soon through my own fiction and, and poetry. Right. I'm. I'm. Haven't been writing creatively very much. But uh, what I can say is that it's. It's just. You know, it's almost a confirmation of this idea, this worldview that I had that everybody has something to say and and everybody has a unique way to say it. And um, it's, I don't know, I don't know how I could go without hearing people express themselves creatively anymore. You know, because that's I'm so used to that every night. That's it's like everybody's everybody's expressing themselves creatively rather than just you know talking mundanely. You know, it strikes me that the more you do this, that you must see creativity in places where it's not necessarily intended. I mean, you know, you say people are just talking. I think that it might, it strikes me, you might think that nobody just talks because any act of talk, communication is essentially a creative act. That's a very good point, yes. And and you can see the parameters, you know. It's, in, in a lot of ways, art is just where you start and where you stop anything, you know. And so you get that with the, the editing videos or, or you know, um, when somebody... When somebody talks, like with Quiet Lightning, that's why we don't let the authors say their names before they speak. You know, it's it's just the piece of art that was created. I, I'm not interested in an introduction or where people were, you know, published or any of that. That has nothing to do with the creative process to me. And so that's why I think a lot of people are turned off at readings, you know, um, because you're just you're just make, you're throwing the art in there with other non-art. Hmm. Well, that's an interesting perception. I, I tend to agree with that. I'd rather just hear what somebody has to say than hear them introduce themselves. It's, it seems like redundant. Sure, right. Now, I, I'd like you to talk about Quiet Lightning. You, so let's, let, let's kind of get a, a grip on, on Evan. <laughs> He's started examiner.com, which is, you got, the, you got the domain name, examiner.com? Oh, no, 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 no. It's actually, it's a huge, it's at least, last time I checked, it was the fastest growing online newspaper in the country. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, it's kind of like a, a collection of blogs, wherein I don't know that they would consider them blogs, but it's, mm-hmm. uh, each person has their own kind of, like I was the, the literary culture examiner of San Francisco, and mm-hmm. so that was my topic, and I covered that. Well, so you, you, you're working on that, and then you go transcend, trans, uh, as it were, uh, to, to lit scene. What, when did Quiet Lightning come about? And I, I love the idea, so explain again what Quiet Lightning is. So it started really shortly after Litquake, and, and Litquake really was more or less the first thing that I documented as a journalist or as a blogger or anything, mm-hmm. and that was in October of 09. And then um, by 
gosh, I think it was just a month later, I had already seen so much, or at least I felt like I had. In retrospect, it's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> I remember feeling so overwhelmed and almost uh, like I had seen it all, or not all, but I knew, I knew that wasn't true, but I was so overwhelmed that, um, you know, I would go to a reading and I would see this very distinct group of people and um, they were talented and doing their thing and then I would go somewhere down the street the next night and see another group of people and I would ask if they knew one another and they didn't, you know, mm -hmm. and so after a month of that, it occurred to me that, um, you know, maybe I could bring these people together um, by starting my own and just inviting everybody that I'd already filmed and that I'd been exposed to and um, so that's that's what I did, you know, I invited all these people and so it, it actually, it, it was successful in a lot of ways, Quiet Lightning has become a community of all these other communities and that's kind of how it fed into Examiner and then into Lit Scene. It's kind of like an umbrella for all of the, all the, the community, you know, at large. Well, that, you know, one of the things that I really like about this idea of lit scene and, and quiet lightning, which, and what you were just talking about, is the community of literature. Because reading is often seen as a solitary and isolating experience. But I think that really it's a very communal experience in the first place. If you're reading somebody else's words, you're obviously communicating with them. Sure. I think it's a fine, in a way, it's like a form of group meditation. Because if, especially when you're all hearing someone else's words, you're focused on that. And I think the experience is not that different from directed meditation, when, you know, yogic meditation, it's, I, but more entertaining. Sure, sure. <laughs> well, I like, I like the idea. I mean, I think with any culture, you know, it's, it's a matter of when everybody's exposed to um, similar things or everybody's in a certain place in time, they're all... Um, you know, kind of feeding off of each other and breathing the same air, so to speak, whether that air is literature or music or some combination of the two or, you know, any of the arts, of course, or, you know, mm -hmm. not, not just limiting to the arts, but you're in a place in time, you're sharing a certain experience. And I think that um, one way I've kind of thought of it is as like a, a creative feed a feedback loop of creative writing, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I've really seen, I think a lot of people have seen um, changes in some of the members of the community in the way that they express themselves, how you can see, you know, one person's influence on another person and how that's helped them grow as an artist. It's really fascinating. Well, I, I'm wondering in terms of the kind of feedback, what kind of, uh, how do you participate in these events? Do you just... Are, are you just like the uh, the guy who corrals the bulls and, and, and whips them into a frenzy and sends them out into the ring charging with their rider? Or <laughs> <laughs> I like to listen to you talk. Uh, I don't, you mean for, for Lit Scene or for Quiet Lightning? Both. Okay, well, for, for Quiet Lightning, so I, st I started it with Rajasri Shauhan, mm -hmm. um, who I met on the last day of Lit Quake. And so the two of us kind of organized the series and it's submission based. So, mm -hmm. you know, we use we use the website and Facebook and um, you know, we don't we don't advertise or anything other otherwise. Um, we make flyers at the, for for each individual show, and and we select the um, not necessarily the best, honestly, because we get about 50 submissions a month, and and we feature between 12 and and 15 or 16, and um, so we pick, we try to, we think of it as like a literary mixtape. The the I pieces like kind of fit together in some uh -huh. way, whether it's thematically or um, based on on different patterns of language and we try to put them into a compelling order um, we usually do two sets and um, so you know often we have we both vote on maybe 25 or 30 you know and we do it without we we codify them so we're not looking at the names of course and, and we we try to select the ones that we both like and then um, and then out of those we try to put a great mix together and so that's how the shows work and everybody gets between two to eight minutes 
um, a piece. You know, one of the things that it strikes me that what you're talking about, both in terms of quiet lightning and in terms of lit scene and the literary scene here, it really reminds me, and you made the, the comparison yourself, it reminds me a lot of music. And I think that there's a real analogy between this and the indie rock scene. And I think that you build your audience in these venues the same way you build it in indie rock scene. You produce great work, you play live, you play live more, you play live more, you play live to one person, you play live to five people, you play live to 25 people. Yeah, talk talk about that kind of uh, building that, and I think in a musical sense that's too. A, that's, a great, that's a great point because one of the things that makes Quiet Lightning unique is that we go to a different venue every month. And mm -hmm. so it's very much like a tour. I'm think, we're thinking about making tour t-shirts for 2011 because we're gonna be in a different venue every month for the first time. And you know, it's just kind of neat. It does. It makes me think of a of a band tour where mm -hmm. you know this is where Quiet Lightning went. But what's neat about it is that it's different authors every time. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, some some overlap certainly. People we encourage people to submit every month because we do want to form a community. But of course, we want to expand the community as well. And so, um, <laughs> you know, it's it's interesting. It's like a roving band of 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 alternating minstrels. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, well, it it also strikes me too that. One thing that's really unique about this scene is that it's easy and probably common for people to travel from the audience to the stage and back to the audience, isn't it? That's one of the more exciting things for me is that each author just emerges from the crowd, you know. And I think that because there's no, hi, I'm so-and-so, and this is where I come from, it's just everybody is, you know, it does blur that line between performance and, and, and observation. Well, also, too, I think... Um, this gets back to, to what I think of as your kind of scientific approach to strip away all the extraneous data, who they are, where they come from, where they've been before, and just break it down to the most basic part of data, which is the art as presented by the person. Sure. Now, I would, I'd like you to talk about, you read these things on the paper, right? And that's one kind of reading experience. Seeing them performed is a very different kind of experience. And how often, talk about how that, the kind of surprises you encounter in that. It is. You know, when, when Raja and I started out reading the submissions, it was very, very strange for us encountering that because we, we were not familiar with a lot of the people in the community. And, um, you know, now sometimes we can read a submission and know who it is and how it might be performed. But I think around month four or five, we sent out a notice that we were accepting video and audio submissions as well, as long as they're accompanied by text. Mm -hmm. uh, we haven't gotten that many of either, but we do from time to time. Now, we do read each submission out loud to one another and record them. And mm -hmm. so we have, a, we have an idea, you know, we try to do justice as we read them. We, we like to try and let the, the words, you know, um, kind of shine, shine through our, our reading so that they make them their own um, music you know, felt. And so um, there is that part of the screening, you know, but, but another, you know, the rest is, is kind of left up to our imagination. How, how exactly would this be performed? And sometimes, you know, there's a, there's a chance factor. Like we'd last show half the people I, we'd never met before until mm. that night, you know, <laughs> which is, which is, there's a little, it's nerve wracking a little bit on the night of the show, but, um, you know, so far it's just been amazing. Everybody is very happy to, to be a part of the show. And, um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of people who've never um, read their poetry or their stories out loud, and now not only are they published, right, but they're also got a chance to perform it in front of a hundred people and um, with uh, published and um, uh, successful, whatever that means, authors, you know, professors or, or, or you know. 
you know, it, it's so interesting too. One of the things I think you're really, it sounds like what you're successfully doing is making this fun. Yes, I think it, it's certainly fun. It's high, it's high, it's high energy and, and it's, it's charged, you know, and uh, I think that it is fun. It's certainly fun. That's, that's really important because again, when you think literary meetings and poetry readings, you, you kind of think of, I, you know, like that kind of drippy Mike Myers character performing super serious stuff and you say, oh my God, but this is, sounds like, I mean, again, this takes it back to, a, it's a night out, it's fun, and, and I, I, there's that kind of uh, connection, I think, between the audience and the performer. Now, I, I'd like you to just talk a little bit about, you know, the performance aspect of this. How much do you, I mean, could somebody perform with water balloons and squirt guns? You know, it's, <laughs> we're, we're open-minded, certainly, and we want to push the boundaries, certainly, of any, of any, uh, of any show. You know, last show we had, uh, we had a cellist who came up and played with a poet, and, you know, we knew beforehand, and we're very, we want, now, although there's a lot of open ends to each show, you know, mm -hmm. just to the format in general, again, we might not know the people, we don't know how they're going to read or perform um we do like to control it as much as we can because part of it is it has like an open mic feel where you don't know what's coming next but mm -hmm. it's been you know vetted right it's been plotted out we mm -hmm. we have have made some order to it and um we've also had you know we've had we've had a, a small band play once as part of the show mm -hmm. and um you know we're definitely open i think that there's going to be a surprise tonight um i think sam just informed me so <laughs> that's that's exciting um, you know, I don't, I don't know. We, we certainly want to keep it literary, but I think the music is, is an important aspect of, of the scene, so to speak. And so we're open to that. It strikes me too that y you mentioned, and I think this is a really great concept that, um, art is just deciding where it ends and begins. And, and uh, I'm wondering where you see your work as an artist, uh, as an orchestrator, where you see that beginning and ending, because what you're doing is clearly, uh, um, you know, each show itself is a work of art, and the collection of the shows is a work of art, and your collection of collections is another uh, kind of work of art. And I'm wondering, do you, when you went into this, did you just see yourself as like a, a video camera, or did you say, I, I'm making something? Because you are, you've made something huge. Certainly, I appreciate you saying that. I, I don't, you know, I, I don't know. Um, when, I, when I got into it again, it was kind of just a total whim, and it was, uh, it was uh, obviously something that was appreciated and maybe very much in need because of the response was so overwhelming and immediate, you know? But um, once, I, once I, I perceived that what might be done with it, you know, and, and then like after the first show, we had no idea what was going to happen. It was a free, you know, it was, uh, we had no idea. And then it was, it was successful. And the second one was overwhelming. And, you know, there was over a hundred people at the second show. And it was just like, wow, we're really onto something. And, um, you know, as far as, as moving forward, you know, I, I'm not sure we're applying for nonprofit status right now. And so I'm not sure, um, how that, how that answers your question. Really, I don't, I don't know if well, I could, I, I'm just thinking that, that, you know, you said you don't write, haven't written fiction or poetry for a while, and, and, but I think what you've done is equally, if not more creative, and, sure. and certainly really inventive. You're kind of a pioneer, well, uh, in, a, in a sense, in a new art form, which is the uh, collecting uh, literary art. Right. I would, I would say if there's an art that I've been um, producing in the last, um, you know, year, it would be community 
I guess, would, would really be the one word to, to, to get to it, you know? I mean, we're certainly pushing some bounds in publishing, I think, because we do publish a book of the accepted submissions every month and have them for sale at the show, which is an interesting idea that I'm not mm-hmm. aware if anybody's done that before. And, um, you know, I got the idea through several sources, one, one of which was Steve Allman, um, wrote a great article about um, self-publishing. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that, that in some ways we're on the forefront there, and I think that... Um, the format is innovative of Quiet Lightning, and I think that it really is changing. It ha- I've seen it affect other reading series, you know, just in the short lifespan that it's had, and I've seen its effects on the community, certainly. Um, you know, I don't know beyond that. I've been speaking with Evan Karp. He's an artist of community, is his medium. His, he's the creator of Quiet Lightning and Lit Scene. Thank you for speaking with me, Evan. Thank you so much, Rick. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.